Why is the resurrection important? Why do we make such a big deal out of Easter? Why do we sing about Christ coming forward out of the grave? Why is that such a big deal? Well, we're going to take a look at what Paul has to say about that and what the Scripture teaches us about how significant it is what we celebrate in the risen Savior. I don't know a lot about building, but I've always been fascinated by arches. Now, arches have actually been around a long time. They date back at least to the time of the ancient Egyptians. The Romans frequently used arches in their construction. Their, their stones are, are not held together by, by mortar. They're, they're, they're held together by their own weight and by the shape of the stones. The most important stone in the arch is the keystone. It's the stone that's at the very top of the arch. Without it, the arch won't stand. It literally will collapse. But when the keystone is inserted, it makes that arch into to an almost insurmountable force. In fact, there are, are ancient buildings. You can go and look where the walls have crumbled. The floors are, are just dust. The ceilings have collapsed. But the arch is still standing. Now, I suspect Paul had seen an arch or two in his day as he traveled throughout the Roman Empire. I don't know if that's what he had in mind when he was writing 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but he certainly understood the significance of what he was about to write in his word. He recognized that all of his preaching, all of his teaching, his entire ministry, everything that he did hinged on this central truth, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 15 describes this central truth of our faith. And we're going to start with verses 1 and 2 this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise... You have believed in vain. This morning, I hope we will all leave this place with a new, fresh realization of the significance of the resurrection. Now, we all need a good reminder from time to time. By the, by the time Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, the church was becoming more and more diverse, a, a fact that was greatly illustrated in the Corinthian church. Corinth was a very important city in the Roman Empire. It was important politically, but it was even more important economically. Corinth was, was located on the only land route between northern and southern Greece. It was the easiest access point to two very significant seaports in Greece. Now, as a result, Corinth became an extremely affluent city. It attracted people from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of different cultures. They came there to make their fortune, and make their fortune they did. 
Now that meant there were a wide variety of all kinds of religious beliefs within the city of Corinth. There were all kinds of pagan temples, all kinds of shrines, and among them, perhaps one of the most significant of them, there was the temple to Aphrodite. It was located on the highest mountain in the city. The worship of Aphrodite, the goddess of love and beauty, was full of absolutely shocking depravity. So shocking that even the Roman world considered Corinth to be a city of horrific immorality. Even the sailors of the day would warn that Corinth was not for every man. Now, Paul came to Corinth sometime around AD 50 or 51. And as Paul began to proclaimed the message of Jesus Christ, a great revival began to sweep through the city. Folks came to know Christ. They began to worship Him. They began to live for Him. And these these new believers were living right in the middle of this city of incredible corruption and immorality. There were false teachings and false religions everywhere. And Paul wrote at least four different letters to the Corinthians. We have two of them preserved in the Scripture, and within those two he refers to at least two other letters that he wrote. He tried to help the Corinthian believers as they struggled to navigate through this this very difficult sea of all kinds of different beliefs and understandings. Now, Paul was probably in Ephesus when he wrote 1 Corinthians. He had received... Uh, word that within the church there were some divisions that had begun to grow. And in fact, there were some who had slipped back into their old immoral ways. There were some lawsuits among the members. It was a difficult time for the Corinthian church. So he writes to encourage them, to help them, to strengthen them. He also writes to answer several questions that had come up in the church, questions about eating food offered to idols, questions about spiritual gifts, questions about marriage. Here in chapter 15, Paul deals with one of those questions, apparently a question that had arisen around a teaching that denied the resurrection. Now, we're not given the the full background details of exactly what this teaching said, Uh, It's possible that this teaching had taken uh, some of the the different Roman and and Greek uh, mythologies and understandings and philosophies and kind of mixed those all together. And some of those had a teaching that uh, the uh, bodily resurrection was not possible. And and that may have slipped into the, the teachings that were there in the Corinthian church. But whatever the background, Paul goes to great lengths to affirm the absolute certainty of the resurrection. And then why that makes a difference. Why it's significant that we understand the resurrection is absolutely true. Now he starts moving forward by looking back. There in verse 1, we read a moment ago, he says, Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Here Paul acknowledges that all believers everywhere share something in common. 
We may be very diverse. We come from a lot of different cultures. We may speak a lot of different languages. We live in a lot of different places. But we all share the gospel. And the gospel was not some fantastic myth story like the Greeks and the Romans like to propagate. The gospel was founded in historical fact. Now Paul's writing this letter just 30 years after those events actually happened. There would be many people who were still alive who had been there to see Jesus resurrected. This wasn't just some story. This really happened. And that was the gospel that Paul preached The gospel of the living, resurrected Savior. The same gospel as the gospel Peter preached. The same gospel as the gospel John preached. The same gospel that had been shared around the Roman Empire. It was the gospel upon which the Corinthian believers had taken their stand. Now they came from a diverse cross-section of backgrounds and religious beliefs. They now came together in this one truth that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and rose from the grave. The resurrection was the foundational understanding of their faith. Some people look at faith as kind of a a game of Jenga or pickup sticks. You know those games where, Jenga, you have a stack of blocks and you try to pull out blocks and not knock over the tower. Pick up sticks where you have some sticks you've thrown on the floor and you try to pick them up without knocking over the rest of the sticks. And, and that's the way some people look at faith, that, that you can kind of pull out a piece of this and pull out a piece of that and it still stands. But that's the wrong picture of faith. Paul is saying, removing the resurrection from our faith, it's not like pulling out one of those Jenga blocks or one of those sticks. It's like pulling the table out from under the game. Everything falls apart without it. Now we'll look at what Paul means specifically about the resurrection a little bit later as we continue through this chapter. But but this morning, to begin... We need to understand how foundational the resurrection is. Jesus died on the cross and rose again. We say that so often. And particularly those of us who have grown up in a church background, we, we hear that truth so often that sometimes we forget How many people in our world don't realize those foundational understandings that Jesus died on the cross and rose again? And we are bombarded in our world by all kinds of conflicting messages. So many that sometimes we can lose the importance of this singular understanding. Everything hinges On Jesus' resurrection. Now Paul begins this chapter of his letter with a very clear statement here in verse 2. 
By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Here Paul stresses the importance of our faith in the one true gospel. Now first, it obviously has to be that one true gospel. There is Absolutely no validity in the statement that it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. You can be sincerely wrong. You can believe that if you go down to Springfield to the new bus station and buy a bus pass and and hop on the bus, that you're going to be one of the first colonists on Mars. And you can ride around on that bus all day long thinking that eventually you're going to wind up on the planet Mars. But you're going to be sitting on that bus for a really long time. In fact, no matter how long you sit there, You'll never be any closer to Mars than you were when you bought your bus pass. And I want to know how much they charge you for that bus pass to Mars, by the way. Paul defines the truth of the gospel that he had preached about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He says in no uncertain terms, nothing else is sufficient to save. Having a correct Belief is essential. And that's not politically incorrect. That's not being mean. Hey, if you were sitting by some guy who was holding a bus pass saying, I'm going to Mars, you'd want to help him out and say, friend, let's talk about that for a minute. If you sit on this bus thinking you're going to Mars, you're sadly mistaken. You're never going to get there. We we wouldn't want to just leave them riding on the bus forever. Getting nowhere, well, we don't want to leave people in our world going through life getting nowhere. There's absolutely nothing politically incorrect with telling somebody the reality, the truth, that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. Paul you got to realize, is writing to a culture that is very similar to our modern culture. Corinth was a place of all kinds of beliefs. You could find every kind of religion represented there that you could possibly imagine, and some you couldn't imagine. Everybody was in Corinth. And, and those beliefs were based on the flimsiest of evidence and most of the time on no evidence at all. Belief in Christ is based on the person of Jesus and on the witness of those who were there with him many of whom would have still been alive when Paul was writing the letter of Corinthians. Our belief is in a gospel verified by historical evidence. But that doesn't negate the necessity of faith. 
Paul had sold out completely to Christ. He had given everything to the Savior. Holding firmly, as he describes it, did not mean that, that somehow you might let go. Or, or, and it certainly didn't, didn't mean that, that he believed his salvation was dependent on him hanging on. Uh, true faith is not like that. In fact, Paul notes that a faith that is built on our strength is no faith at all. That we believe in vain. Our faith is in Christ who has already accomplished it for us. I developed a system of IOUs in the fifth grade. At lunch, I would trade the things that my mom had prepared for me and put in my lunch for little slips of paper that people would sign and say, I owe you a Twinkie or I owe you a, a donut or whatever it was that, that I gave to them. And, and I, had a, I filled a, a small notebook with IOUs for, for Fritos, for peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, for the odd piece of fruit. I figured that I would be able to eat for weeks without bringing my lunch. Everybody was just going to bring stuff to me. Except I forgot one thing. Summer vacation. School let out, and I didn't see all those people for three months. We, we came back to school, and they'd totally forgotten all about all this stuff they owed me. All I had was a notebook full of people's signatures, and none of them were even famous. My mom, on the other hand, had a fully stocked pantry. Now, for some reason that summer, we, we switched from Hostess to Little Debbie's. I, I, don't, I don't know why. But it meant that I didn't have Twinkies. I had the Little Debbie equivalent of Twinkies from that point on. But I learned a valuable lesson. A box of Little Debbies in the pantry is worth much more than a notebook filled with fifth grade signatures. Paul wanted the Corinthians to understand the emptiness of the promises that their religions and philosophies gave to them. The fantastic mythology of the Greek and Roman society was just that. It was fantastic. It was a bunch of stories with no historical foundation or any real truth. The immoral practices that developed around them revealed the moral bankrupt nature of those religions. But the gospel. That was something different. The gospel was based on the reality of Christ. On what he accomplished on the cross. On what was proven through his resurrection. And there was no question that salvation was found in him and in him alone. Folks, as we celebrate Easter this month. As we gather together and we sing the songs of the resurrection, as we rejoice in the passages of Scripture that, that give us the great hope that we have in Christ's resurrection, we need to realize there are folks right outside these doors that do not know that Jesus lives. Now, we may think they do. You know, we live in Springfield. There's a church on every corner. You can turn on the TV anytime and watch a religious program, you can turn on the radio and hear religious broadcast. We, we might think that everybody we meet, everybody that we see, well, surely they know Jesus lives. Folks, no, they don't. 
And their minds are being bombarded by all kinds of messages that seem to say, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe. You can just kind of pick and choose whatever you want and just kind of figure out what fits you. We've got to tell them. We've got to tell them that Jesus lives. As we work together as a church during this month for our North American Missions offering, we recognize that right here in the United States, the majority of people in our nation are not following Christ. And it's because of a number of reasons, but the foundational reason is they don't understand that Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and rose again. They don't understand what that means. We've got to tell them. As we work together through our cooperative program of sending missionaries around the world, we recognize that people around the world, they, they don't know that Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and rose again. As we sing this hymn of faith, He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. It's great that we sing it within the confines of this, these walls this morning. But what's even more important is that we live that truth as we leave these walls that we show the world he lives heavenly father help us recognize this morning the centrality of the resurrection this foundational truth of our faith something that many of us have heard since our childhood that there are people around us that just don't know and God, it's so easy for us within the familiar confines of, of our church to just kind of go through the motions and, and, and sing the songs and, and then leave with a happy heart. And God, we hope we do leave with a happy heart. But God, we, we also need to leave with an understanding that there's a world out there that does not know. So God, challenge us. Challenge us to share this central truth that our Savior lives. Help us, Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.